Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person find a life full of freedom and purpose through Jesus. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. This entire series is a setup for our August series, Hustle and Flow. And really what I'm trying to do for this month is just unpack why you need hustle and why you need flow. In other words, why we need rhythm, why we need grace, why we need discipline, why we need discipleship, all of those things that if you have spent any time in church, if you've been to church ever before, if you've ever been in a Christian circle, you have no doubt heard conversations, heard sermons about reading your Bible and about praying and about worshiping and about joining a small group and about showing up on Sunday and about serving. But if you miss the why behind all of that, well, then it just becomes religion. And you just get, you go through the routine and it becomes a checklist. And we lose the very essence of why all of these things are, imp- are important. And so we started this last week. I want to continue today with our series, Memes and Moods. And just like last week, I want to start off today with just sharing a few of my favorite memes that I found throughout the week. Now, I had some really, some really good ones picked out. Uh, but then when I showed them to Brooke, who is often my filter, she didn't really laugh a whole lot. And I felt like maybe it was just my screwed up humor. So we're not showing some of them. Uh, but I, what I wanted to do today, which is really uh, kind of the topic behind today's sermon, the theme, if you would, is just share with you uh, this meme of, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the very first one. Um, you've seen them on, on social media, but basically it presents this like uh, this thing that you do personally where you're trying to kind of cast shame on people who haven't done that. So it's, it's kind of like fill in the blank uh, and it shows. So like some of you haven't done X, Y, Z and it shows. You, you've seen those, right? So let me just show you a few of some of my favorite ones that I found here. Uh, some of you were never the third friend that had to walk behind when the sidewalk was too narrow and it shows Right, like some of you are just way too uh, cocky and too, you know, too proud. This right here will humble you real quick. Um, this often happened if you were with like a couple that were dating and you were kind of the third wheel, and the, the you know, the sidewalk gets too narrow, so you just kind of do the awkward like. But then it's real awkward when you're still having a conversation with them. You know what I mean? And you're not beside them anymore. All right, let's see the next one. Uh, some of you have never impulsively cut your hair, dyed it, or bleached it as a way of dealing with your emotions instead of seeking the therapy that you need, and it shows. <laughs> okay, I could point some fingers. We're going to keep going. All right. Um, this, oh, man. Some of you have never had your favorite character that you relate to most killed off in a brutal and unnecessary way, and it really shows. Rip Rob Stark. Okay, next one. Some of y'all never filled an empty body wash bottle with water to make it stretch, and it shows. I still do this. I still do this. Hand soap. If you've ever washed your hands at my house, it probably was nothing but water. Jokes on you. Okay, next one. Now, this was in dark mode because dark mode Twitter is the best. All right, here it goes. Some of y'all didn't hold the flashlight for your dad while he yelled at the car, and it really shows. It really shows. So this is, this is kind of the theme that we're going with today, some of the moods we're going to talk about and some of the, just the, the principles that I want to give you, I think will be helpful for you because as we're going through this, basically this conversation of evaluating our life, 
and evaluating our faith, man, there are some things that some of us haven't done, and it shows, right? So just need to know this. This is not me standing up here pointing my finger at you. This sermon came from a place of personal struggle and wrestling with this. I've never preached a sermon that's more to me than this one today. It's just going to sound like a lot of you. Just keep in mind, this is first pointing at me. What did they say? If you point a finger, you got three pointing back at you, whatever, you know, so whatever that saying was. Um, I want to pull up the verse that we began looking at last week. It's from Deuteronomy 30. It says that this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. I put this choice before you, this is God saying, and here's the choice. Life or death, blessing, a life of blessings or a life of curse. Or if you were here last week, a life of doldrums with with no air, no breath, no wind, dead, obsolete, desert, or life of flourishing. Uh, John 10.10, the full life that Jesus talks about. The whole reason we started this church, you have a choice in the matter. Maybe you don't feel like you've had a choice at this point. I'm just here to set you free. You have a choice. You have a choice, and this is the, the verse, the filter that we're you know, kind of moving through throughout this series. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about today, you know, last week we talked about just kind of being dead, like living in the doldrum, and we identified four or five different moods and kind of um, steps that we progress in as we go through that. You should check it out on the podcast if you were not here. Um, but today I want to start kind of hitting some of the... So if we're dead inside, if we have things in our life that are dead, that are in the doldrums, here are some of the results of that. Here are some of the things that are present in our life because of that. And again, you have to understand, at the back end of this, I am going to give you some principles, some takeaways that you could go home and work on. But all of this is to set up the series for August. So it's going to feel very much like while we're doing a whole lot of spotlighting, now what, right? And some of that is because I want you to go home and wrestle with this. I want you to have some conversations with God, some conversations with your spouse, your friends, your team leaders. Like all of this is to drum up, kind of stir up the, the junk on the ground, right? We're going to stir it up, and then we're going to work on getting it out. All right, so just bear with me. Um, but today I really want to address just busyness, laziness, um, and apathy today. And here's how I know when I'm too busy. When Brooke and I tell our kids that it's time for dinner and they go get in the car. Because <laughs> maybe we're just a little bit too busy. If there's just if we're just going to go get some food and come back to the house or go through the drive through man. And as you look at uh, just the average American life, and I had a bunch of stats that I'm just not going to share just because I think it would cast too much of a gloom and doom cloud in the room. But it doesn't take a scientist to know, look around at the average person, man, we are stretched super thin. And it's not getting any easier. We're feeling the tension even more. And I think tension in your life is a good thing, but too much tension is going to lead to a snap. It's going to lead to a break. And so there's this moment in Scripture, uh, and again, today I'm going to kind of hop all around. I know a lot of times I like to find a passage and just kind of sit there. But over this series, I want to just hop around so that you see this mess, this stuff is all in the Bible from cover to cover. People were dealing with it. And maybe you'll identify yourself in one of these situations, but there's this moment in Scripture in the book of Daniel where when we pick up the story in chapter 5, the nation of Israel has been captured and brought into Babylonia, like modern-day Iraq and Iran. Like they, they've been captured, 
and removed from their home and, and put under captivity and, and just hardships. And there was this king that God kind of gave way named King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a really good king initially. And then he got super prideful and like arrogant and self-centered and took all of that opportunity and all of that power and all of that authority, and he abused it. And he turned his back on God and led his people astray. So God removed him. He, he humbled him. And that's a, a fantastic story to go and read if you've never read it. We're not going to talk about it today, though, because in this moment, Nebuchadnezzar's son is the king. And he's not having the same realization that Nebuchadnezzar did. He's still arrogant. He's still selfish. He's leading his people away from God. They're worshiping gods of gold and silver and PlayStations and Twitter and like Bojang. Like, right, everything but the God. Like everything they can find that they're they are involved in, that, that's their God. Like that's how bad it's gotten. And in this moment, like, Belshazzar brings all of his nobles and all his guests into the banquet room. And he brings out all his fancy bowls and all of his silverware. And they're partying and they're drinking and they're socializing. And so I don't know if this, like, literally happened or if they were just really drunk. But here's what the Bible says, that all of a sudden this human hand comes out of the wall and begins writing a statement on the wall. That's where that phrase, writing on the wall, came from. He was making it plain for them. And he, he wrote this message that nobody understood. It was four words. No one understood what it meant. So Belshazzar naturally freaks out. He sends everybody out of the room. He calls for all his magicians. He calls for all his sorcerers. He calls for all his, just his uh, philosophers. Like, I need, you to, I need you to tell me what this means. They can't do it. He's like, listen, if anyone in my kingdom can tell me what this means, I'll immediately robe you, I'll crown you, and I'll give you third, I'll make you the third most powerful person in the country. Can anyone tell me what this is? When Daniel does. Daniel shows up and with his integrity, God-fearing self, he says, I don't want your stuff, but I'll tell you what it says. And he delivers this message that essentially is like, hey, uh, your time is up, bro. I don't know if you miss what, what God did to your daddy, but he's about to do the same thing to you. You're done. Your kingdom's done. Your rule and reign is done. And this is what it says in verse 26. This is what these words mean. God, notice what I said, God. I, like, I know we like to think like Jesus, long hair, purple robe, sash, holding the sheep. We're just saying all about love and intimacy. But this is also, God is both love and justice, Right? Okay, so God has numbered your days. God has judged you. Not the preacher, not the worship leader, not the deacons. We only have deacons at this church, but, you know, whatever. No, God has judged you. He's numbered the days of your reign, and he's brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and have been found wanting. So here's, here's the, the choice that we have in front of us. This is what Deuteronomy is talking about, this choice of life or death. Just put, take Belshazzar out and place yourself there and understand that God is, is weighing your life. God is weighing your life, and this is what he says. This is what Daniel says to him. Your life is out of balance. Your, your life, is, your priorities are out of order. And some of our lives in this room are out of balance. Our priorities are, are, are wrong, and it shows. 
personally, I, I've really been going through the past, really since we launched this church, about two months prior to and even six months later. Today we're officially six months old, right? It's awesome. Uh, crazy. Six months old today. Yeah. So, but about two months prior and then every week since, I've really just trying to evaluate and discern my, is what I'm involved in purposeful? Because I have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things, a lot of things I enjoy, but I have to remember at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, a, fa- I'm a husband, I'm a father trying to raise three kids, I'm trying to pastor this local church. Like, is my life balanced? Is it in order? In other words, here's a great question to ask. Um, is what I'm doing, is what I'm involved in, like, here's the filter. Who am I adding value to by doing it? And here's, here's the hard one. Who am I taking value away from by being involved? Because there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing, a lot of things I could do, a lot of things I could say yes to. But here's the thing. Anytime you say yes to something, you are always saying no to something else. Like if you've, you've got four slots available, if you fill them up with four things, even good things, you are now saying no to every other opportunity that may come up. What has more value? Well, if you commit before you have a chance to evaluate, well, then you've already taken value away from that thing. What if, here's just a question I ask myself all the time. Because half the time I feel like balance is a myth. I really do. Here's the deal, though. What if balance has less to do with the things that I'm doing the activities that I'm involved with, and more to do with the relationships that I intersect with. What if balance has less to do with the things I do and more to do with the people I do my life with? Because again, when I say yes, it's always a no. Here's the beautiful thing, though. When I say no, now I have the chance to say yes. Andy Stanley says in his book, work, family, church, hobbies, fitness, housekeeping, socializing, sleep, Come on, somebody. With 24 hours in a day, we simply cannot fit everything in. Here's what he says. When we choose to cheat, you got to cheat something. You can't fit everything in. So what are you picking? Everything else you're cheating. Whatever you choose to cheat, that's a clear announcement of the things that hold value to you. What are you choosing to cheat? It's a great book, by the way. By the way, you should pick it up. It's a really easy read. You could read it in about two days probably. Choosing to Cheat by Andy Stanley. Here's the, the question that I'm, I want to put before you, and then we're going to dive into a couple moods associated with this. What's your plumb line? What's keeping you centered on the most important things? What's keeping you true? Because the thing about a plumb line is it doesn't, it doesn't lie. It's going to show you the true center of this, whatever you're trying to build. So you may look at it, and, and from, the, from your perspective, it looks level. It looks centered. But the plumb line is going to show you the true thing. And that's what I want to get to today. What is your plumb line? Here's what I have found, and this goes back into that question of what you're involved in. Even if it's productive, is it, does it add value? Who, does it add value to you? Does it, does it add value to those around you? Who is it taking value away from by being involved in it? Because I found that if you're burning your candle at both ends, you're not really as bright as you think you are. So I want to give you a couple moods. A couple moods associated with this. All to do with just being tired and exerted and stretched out too thin. 
These are some things that I've noticed in my life, and I'm just betting you have too, that when I'm tired, right, current mood, let's, I forgot, current mood, if we'll throw that up real quick. Boom, there it is. Me in bed, exhausted after a long day of being in bed and exhausted. Anyone relate to that? Come on. Some are like, I wish I could relate to that. Can I? All right. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Because I've noticed that when I'm tired, here's what happens. I am unstable. <laughs> My emotions are all over the place. I can walk in the room and be one way, go into the room and be another room and be completely different. I, I, mean, I just, I know it. And here's what I've noticed as I've just tried to learn how Satan attacks me. I am most vulnerable when I am overexerted or tired or on Sunday night. On Sunday night, I is worse. I, I don't need to be alone. I don't need to stay awake longer than Brooke. I, I need to get in bed. I, I, don't need, I just don't need to be by myself. Like, it's bad. That's when I'm most vulnerable. Because when I'm tired, I'm unstable. And here's what he does. Exhaustion leads to vulnerability. That's why I've used this example before. That's why you, in the foxhole, the hole that you dig when you're on the front lines in a war, there's always, always someone there beside you so that if you are tired or you fall asleep, he's got your back because exhaustion leads to vulnerability. In other words, the risk for sinful choices and reaction drastically increases. That's why Jesus says in Luke 21, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. In other words, excessiveness. Like excessiveness. Like Christians today love moderation, but we abuse it. Our lives are about excessive. Like we got to have more. If we're going to be involved in something, we got to do it to the max. Don't let your hearts be weighed down by that is a warning that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago. Drunkenness. And the anxieties of life. Here's why. Because when you do, that day will close on you like an unexpected trap. When your life is out of balance, I'm telling you, you better watch for the mines. You better watch for the landmines. You better, you better watch for the, the, the hidden, unidentified, explosive objects that you're creep, that you're walk, like you better watch out for them because when you're tired, when you're stressed, when your anxiety is at an all time high, Satan, man, he can almost come in unannounced. Because when I'm tired, not only am I unstable, but my emotions are, are like inconsistent. I'm, I'm guessing yours are too. Your emotions are inconsistent. Um, the chance for me to be angry is higher when I'm in a rush. And I'm betting that most males in this room, that's you too. I talk to my kids like they're a grown person when I'm in a rush. I'm in, like taking Judah in his car seat when he was younger. I'm like, bro, like get in the car and buckle yourself. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm like six months old. What do you want me to do? Freaking like, get in the car and buckle yourself. That's what I want to do. But see, when, I, when I'm in a rush, everything is amplified. And I'm, I'm just... I'm just guessing you're the same way. Even Job says in chapter 9, my days go by faster than a runner. Anyone feel like that? Yesterday, Brooke mentioned having a Saturday off. We kind of hung around the house, and then I went and, to watch my brother play baseball and celebrate his birthday. And I, like, we got there. I looked at my watch. I was like, oh, my, it's 4 o'clock. Like our Saturday is basically gone. Right? It's basically gone at this point. My days go by faster than a runner. 
they fly away, listen to this, without seeing any joy. They go away, they fly away without seeing any joy. In other words, Job's telling us this. Listen to this. Before I say it, let me preface it. There's nothing wrong with goals and objectives and striving and seeing a place that you want to be. We spent a whole series in May talking about getting a vision for your life and a vision for your family and God's purpose. All those things are great. But here's what Job is saying. And this, this theme is a thread throughout the Bible. Fast pace equals less joy. Fast pace equals less joy. But my God, what is our culture like? Like they are addicted to instant. I need it now. I have to be successful now. I need to obtain it now. I've got to go get it now. I can't tell you how many people my age, and get, let me just say, like I am not acting like I wouldn't love to have it, but there are so many people my age who want what their parents have now, forgetting that it took them an additional 30 years to get it. Fast pace equals slower, uh, less joy, but slower pace equals more joy. It's proven. Put it to the test. The next time you get angry out of nowhere, ask yourself, where did that come from? Probably because you're tired. Probably because you're rushed. Probably because your emotions are being inconsistent. And I, again, while I'm unstable, my emotions are inconsistent, I'm also way less productive. It'd be equivalent to us walking outside and, and chopping down this, these woods behind us with just a, a, a blunt axe, right? You're going to work twice as hard and twice as long than the guy who would stop to sharpen his axe, right? But we don't have time to stop. We got work to do. We got things to accomplish. We got goals to achieve. We got, we got things, places to go. We, got, we don't slow down. We almost feel guilty for it. Uh, we, we feel shameful to take a day off. I, can I be honest with you? Like, I, there have been moments where I have not even, this is just insecurity on my part, right? So I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I have not posted stuff on Instagram for fear of offending someone that I am resting and they're more than likely at work. Or... We're at the beach because we're blessed enough that our in-laws moved to the beach. So we're there on a Friday night or Saturday, and there's other people who aren't able to do that. Like, that's the, like that's the negative things that social media has created. And we, here's the worst part. We believe it. Here's the deal. I'm not going to be mad at you if you're not here on a Sunday and you're out of town. Because if I could be out of town, I would too. But guess what? On my day off, which is typically Monday, and I'm not working at, at the church or at the YMCA, guess what? I will probably be at the beach while you're at work. So go. We have to stop apologizing, not for being lazy, but for rest. And then not feel guilty about it. It should be celebrated. Proverbs 21 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. And all the procrastinators said, dang it, he's talking to me. Proverbs 19, 2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. 
so if, if you're tracking with me and you're, these are some of your moods, like I'm unstable, I'm, I'm inconsistent, I'm less productive, and here's kind of the worst one, then I end up feeling pretty empty inside. Because I feel like what I did didn't matter. Here's, here's a great filter to take the things that you're involved in and kind of just make a list and then add them to like the good column and then and maybe like the, I love this. I, I got this practice in about two years ago. I don't only make a to-do list, now I make a to-don't list or a to-do later list. Because we're so like saturated with the urgent that we often miss the important. All right, so, so like here's, here's the deal. Take a list of the things that you're doing, whatever they are, and then make a list of to do and not to do based off this question. When I'm finished doing this thing, do I feel fulfilled or am I empty? Now, if it's empty, it doesn't mean that God can't redeem that thing because he is a redeemer. But it's just a good filter. Because that could lead you to, well, why do I feel empty? Is it my heart? Is it my attitude? That's a, that's a you problem. Or is it because I'm taking value out of my life and away from other people? By saying yes to this, I'm having to say no to the things that really matter. That's a, that's a red flag of something you should stop doing. Because you leave empty inside. We, there is this myth that burnout happens by doing too much. No, burnout happens by doing things that don't matter. Some of you are more tired today than you were Friday when you got off work because you filled up your weekend doing things that didn't matter. Find, I'm not telling you what those things are. Find your plumb line, which is God and his word and his spirit and the things that he set up for us, and then branch out from there. Psalms 36 or 39 verse 6 says, we were merely moving shadows. And all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. You have been weighed. You have been measured. You have been found wanting. Your life is out of balance. Yet, the contrast to this, an out of balance, empty life, is a full life. Jesus said it in John 10.10. 10. The Son of Man came to give you a life full, a vibrant life, an existing, breathing, healthy life. Honestly, God, that's why we do next steps. I don't, we don't do next steps for us. Our dream team is running great. We don't do, we don't do dream. Well, go out to the volunteer table and sign up. Like, by God, if you don't, we won't be here next Sunday. No, like... No, no, no. We, we do next steps for you. Because at the end of the day, there's some of you in this room that you can honestly say, I don't know if what I'm doing makes a difference at all. And so if there's one thing that we can do as a church is help you find a life of not just freedom, but purpose where you know something that you're doing is making a difference. That's what we were created to do. So at the end of the day, we don't feel empty, but we feel like, man, what I did added value today because let's, let's be honest like not all of us get to choose this like dream altering like best day ever I can't wait to go to work job and if you stay there in that doldrum it will suffocate everything around you not all of you students are excited to go back to school in a couple weeks you got to find something to keep you centered 
as you grow, as your attitude changes, as God begins to mature you and you see how God can use you even in those moments, you better have something that keeps you motivated and encouraged and on purpose. Because after being less productive and after feeling empty, when I'm tired, I also, I, I don't feel like I hear God at all. Like, God, where are you? God, it's not supposed to be like this. God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to send me that check, Jesus? Come on, where, where, where are you at? And it's often because I completely miss one of the most inviting and loving verses found in the entire Bible. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Can't, can't notice that if you're too busy trying to get stuff done. You can't know that if you're too busy trying to fix it, trying to control it yourself. You got to stop and look sometimes. So I just want to help you out real quick. I want to give you, uh, really, I've, I, I spent um, a lot of this bled over into the series coming in August. So I, had to, I had to put the brakes on it. But I do want to give you a couple things that if this is you today, I really believe you could take this today, put some of these things into practice, and it would help. And the first one, if, like if you are stressed today, like if that's you, if you're stressed today, I just want to give you like one simple thing that will help you. Okay, here it is. If, if you just take that right there, take your stress and flip it around, this is what you get. You get desserts, man. Like, come on. Like, if you are stressed, that will help you. The other day, Brooke called. We had, a, we had a, just a long day, stuff going on in our family. She called me. She said, can you please she said, get me a, a slice of chocolate cake? And I was like, yeah, absolutely I will. You just get some desserts in your life. No, for real. Okay, here you go. Number one, some of you have not taken a nap in a long time, and it shows. <laughs> And it shows, guys, some of the, one of the sexiest things you can do is go home after church and let your wife take a nap. Come on. Shout me down, Brooke. Mark chapter 6, verse 31 says, Then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even get a chance to eat. Anyone else's life feel like that? Like, I'm just doing so much. I hosted all these people. They, I didn't even get a chance to nibble on a nacho. Like, nothing like my life is so busy. Here's what Jesus says to him. Come with me. Listen to this. By yourself. Some of you, your next step with Jesus is one that you must take by yourself. Jesus says, come with me by yourself. To a quiet place, man, and get some rest. Listen to me, rest isn't always inactivity. Rest is the condition of your soul, which is the question I want to put before you today. Last week I said, how alive do you want to be? That's a choice you have to make. How alive do you want to be? How free do you want to be? The next question, the next thing is this. Go ahead and throw it up, Austin, if you would. How's your soul doing? That's not, a, that's not a question that you're going to get answered five minutes before church in the lobby. That's a deep question. You've been a believer for a while. You want to go deep. Here you go. I'll give you the etymology of the word and everything. But that, that's the question of the day. The average American spends 137% of their income 
Well, Pastor Josh, I want to tithe, but I keep buying stuff that I can't afford for people I don't even like to impress them. Oh, wow, that was not in my notes. Where did that come from? Sorry. Man, come on. Like, I, that's, that, that, that stat that I just gave was Brooke and I. It still is at certain points in our life. I'm not up here to point the finger. I'm just saying, man, where's our priorities? Where's the balance? We want freedom from our shame and freedom from our guilt and freedom from our anxiety. Maybe we should try finding freedom in our finances. How much relief would that bring to us if finances were not an issue? Now, Brooke has told me a long time that Satan will mess with you in one of three ways, your family, your marriage, or your finances. I'll choose money all day long, but I can be honest with you, a lot of that that we've dealt with is by our own stupidity and our own ignorance. We We like to blame it on Satan like he's the reason. No, 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 we put ourselves there. The same is true for other areas of our lives. Here's what we have to do in order to take a nap, in order to find rest, or in order to care for your soul. Can you listen to me? Can we please stop the constant push for more? I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals. I'm not saying you shouldn't have dreams. Brooke and I rode around the other day looking at kind of, the, you know, we're renting right now. And as this plant cement, as this church plant cements itself and grows roots, we hope to find a place that we can put roots down ourselves. And the next house, we want it to be the place where our kids grow up. We've moved them three times already. Like, we want to find our home. So, yeah, we got dreams for that. But guess what? Those dreams ain't coming true until we get some debt gone out of our life that we chose to do. Mainly me, right? We chose to do that. Had to stop this constant push for more. Why? Because if you always are thinking about what you need and what you don't have and what you have to do, it is impossible to rest. That's why some of you don't sleep. That's why you toss and turn every night because you can't. Rest, because you always think about more. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. What's your plumb line? I'm not asking you to make your plumb line based off me and my life and my marriage and my family. I'm asking you to make your plumb line based off God's word. Proverbs 14, 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. I get it. You want to achieve things. You want to, you want to climb the ladder. You want to have status. Better make sure that those goals and aspirations are not born out of jealousy and envy and covetousness. Because Proverbs says it is a trap for a man or a woman to dedicate something rashly only later to reconsider his vows. Hey, what do you think about this promotion? Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, I didn't know that all this was going to be involved. Hey, what do you think about coming this weekend? Y'all do it. Oh, I didn't think about that I've been gone the past two weekends, and now I'm, I'm going to be gone for my wife and kids again. Hey, what do you think about coaching this baseball team? Y'all do it. Oh, I didn't realize that Monday night was like the only night I didn't have a meeting already. So now that night's gone too. That's me. You got to take a nap, but you can't take a nap if you can't rest. You can't rest if you're always striving for things you don't have, places you want to be. Your cell phone's going on. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Mine does that all the time. I'm totally kidding. Number two, I don't even know who that was. I'm not even looking up. See, you don't even be, don't even be embarrassed. I don't even know who that was, Pastor Luke. All right, number two, some of you 
don't know what the Sabbath is, and it shows. How crazy. Brooke didn't know my notes. So crazy that you said that. And you used a breath of fresh air. Everything we've been talking about. Some of you think the Sabbath is, well, I went to church. Well, that ain't, ain't it, chief. Here's the Sabbath. Okay, this is the way God set it up. This is what I would encourage you to do, if at all possible. Because I get it. I work two jobs right now. Some of you got to do what you got to do. I get it. Five days for your employer, one day for yourself, and then one day for God. Five days for your employer, one day for you so you can cut the grass and clean the car and all that stuff. And then dedicate a day to God. The word Sabbath means cease. It means stop. It, and it wasn't a suggestion. It was, it was, it was one of the, the big ten like right up there, but don't kill somebody and don't covet someone's wife. Also, take, keep the Sabbath holy. But listen to me. If, if you look at it differently, then you see it as a rule and an obligation. The Sabbath is more for you than it is for God. He wants you to take time to realign yourself with what matters the most. And the most important thing is him. And out of that, all your other most important priorities will flow. Exodus 20 says, you have six days in which you to, are to do work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Well, God, I gave you two hours, three if you're on the dream team. That's enough, right? No, no, he said day. A day. Dedicated to him. And here's why. Because Proverbs says in, in, in chapter 10, verse 27, that reverence for God adds hours to each day. That literally means that if I spend two hours in prayer, that God will multiply that into four. No, no, no. It just means it will give you life back. It's one of the only things you can do in this life that doesn't exert you. It, re, it, it refreshes you, replenishes you. Because you're, 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 you're soaking in him. And his, that's why worship is so great. Because for those 15 minutes, man, you feel like you're connected, like you're in a relationship, like you, like you could go charge hell with a water pistol, like you're ready to go because it refills you, it increases your faith. Did you know that you can experience that outside of Sunday morning? And you should. The last one is, I don't have a fancy, some of you aren't doing this, blah, 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 just a simple, just encouragement. Just get close and stay close to Jesus. Last week, if I could sum up the entire message into one point, it would be fall in love with Jesus. If I can sum up this entire message today, it would be stay close to him. There are some beautiful moments in Scripture when individuals just like you and me actually got a chance to get some time face-to-face -face with God and then with Jesus. And one of the most quotable psalms in Quotable verses in the entire Bible. I don't care if you read your Bible daily or not. You probably could at least somewhat articulate these things. We know it. We, we paste it on Instagram. We make all these cool pictures and photos. We can quote it. Man, we don't live it. And it shows. That just came out off the top of my head right here. It is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm, I'm the minor shepherd. Like, I'm, I'm not the chief shepherd. That's... That's the Lord. He's our shepherd. And here's what the shepherd wants for us. He 
makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you. I would much rather be forced to lie down by my shepherd, by my Lord, than by what I'm dealing with in life. One is comforting. One is not. One is life-giving. The other is life-suffocating. One is rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. Here's the the phrase. Here it is. He restores my soul. Looking ahead in Matthew chapter 11. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's Jesus saying the exact same thing. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are bogged down, all who are stressed, all who live their life under the rule of anxiety, all who are too busy. Come to me. And I will give you rest. In other words, I'll exchange this life that has been custom fit for you. I will exchange it with the life that you're trying to create that doesn't fit, that doesn't work. I've got this custom molded purpose life for you. I'll exchange it. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To end today, I want to leave you with just a simple charge. Here at Rescue, we believe that everybody in this room has a step to take today. For some of you, that's going to be your first step. And as I said earlier, that's going to be a step you have to take by yourself. You you got family and friends to support you. And even if you're here by yourself today, you got family and friends here to support you. That's a step you have to take solo. But the beautiful thing is Everyone in this room, from that point on, your next step is with Jesus. Always with Jesus. And here's my prayer and hope for you today. If you came in here like me, when I run up the steps, I'm like, I can't breathe. Like, like if you came in here and you're like, man, my life is a, it's feeling a little boxed in right now. I don't feel like I can even lift my arms. I'm, I'm, or you come in here and you feel convicted because you know you're too busy. You know you're involved in things that you shouldn't be doing. You know that, and even though names are a bad thing, it's just too much. Here's the prayer for you today. That today you would catch your breath. Today you would have a sense of newness and freshness in your life. I want to show it to you in Isaiah 63, verse 14. It says, they were given, what's that word? Rest. They were given rest by what? By the Spirit of the Lord. Spirit is an, is an English word. Like it, that's not the word that he meant when he wrote this. The word spirit there means the breath of God, ruach, the breath of God. What gave them rest was the literal breath of God coming into their life. This is how he guided the people and in turn made a glorious name for the Lord. Thank you for listening. Join us each week here on the pod or live in Durham. Keep up with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Rescue Church NC.